Hello and welcome. You are listening to The 1% Christian. This is the daily Bible study where we get together, we jump into God's Word, we take 1% of our day, and uh, we focus on Him, and then we head out to the remaining 99% of our day to do something amazing with this life that God has given us. I am Pastor J.D. Ambrosio of Sound of Heaven Church in Deer Park, and studying uh, with you, and that's Deer Park, New York, by the way, New York represent. we are studying the Gospel of John together, and I am excited to say that we have folks jumping on each and every day, so I want to welcome you. If you are here for the first time, I hope that you'll go back and start from the beginning because this has been an awesome journey together, uh, but uh, also if you've been with us, I think we're at like 21 days now. Yeah, just about the time that that good habits are formed. So let's keep this going. Want to invite you to download the Sound of Heaven app. It's absolutely free. You can go to soh.church, which is our website, and you can learn more about us, but also download the app. It's got a free digital Bible on there, tons of great resources, an online community that you can chat with us, hang with us. And if you are listening again, where podcasts are found, Like, share, subscribe, turn on your notifications, and let us get started. So, okay, so far, if you've been following along, or if we're just catching you up, Jesus is going through the countryside. He's doing Messiah things. He's healing people. He is teaching in ways that people have never heard before. He's setting people free. Uh, He is... Uh, ushering in a new covenant between man and God and talking about things of the kingdom. And he's making a lot of people mad too. The religious leaders are looking for ways to kill him because they don't appreciate what he's doing. Either they think he's false or they think he's a threat. And uh, that's where we find ourselves now. We've been in a few chapters where there's been some very intense back and forth. And uh, right now Jesus is going back into the temple and teaching. And you see that they are trying to put him in precarious situations, trying to get him to get jammed up. And this is maybe one of the most uh, iconic, I know I've said that a few times, this is is a very popular, powerful uh, account uh, of Jesus, one that should make us all uh, have hope inside and maybe uh, help us to decipher how we should uh, approach the world, especially those who may uh, fall, may uh, you know struggle, and uh, help us to realize that uh, we are all in the same boat here in some way, shape, or form. So let's start with verse 1. It says, But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning he came again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of, a, act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? Okay, so Jesus is there teaching. Next thing you know, they are dragging a woman out in front of him. It's important to know the backstory here, or at least some of the historical narrative. In Jewish law, it was a capital offense to commit adultery, punishable by death. No doubt they were looking to embarrass the woman. More so, they were looking to embarrass Jesus and put him in a 
bad situation. This was a law that was often not enforced. Uh, I should say it wasn't enforced regularly because it was very strict in the way it was administered. One, you needed to have at least two witnesses and not just witnesses in the fact of, hey, I saw them go in the room and I saw them come out of the room or I heard this happened. No, no, no. They needed to see the witnesses actually see the act take place, which leads me to believe leads me to ask, what were you doing up in that tree, Jacob? All right. So we'll, we'll continue there, but that's what needed to happen. This may have been a possible setup. We know it was a setup in the way of trying to jam Jesus up. And we'll dive into that a little bit more here in a second, but it, you know, there are folks that speculate whether or not the woman did it at all. I happen to believe that she did. Uh, and the possibility is that either she was uh, cheating on her husband or maybe uh, committed the act in the period of betrothal. W- Jewish weddings had uh, about a 12-month period that was similar to what we would call an engagement. Either way, you have to ask the question, and this is why people think that maybe this was a setup and the woman was being falsely accused. Where's the man in all this, Right. Where is the man getting dragged out in front of everybody and embarrassed as well? We will never know that. But again, they are trying to trap Jesus. And here's how. They were trying to get him to break a law of some sort, either Jewish law or Roman law. Because under if if he were to say, let her go, then he would appear to have broken Jewish law, which would discredit him which was the whole purpose of this. Now, if he were to say, execute her, double, double bad look here, because the whole time he's preaching grace and love, and now all of a sudden he says, execute her. But even more so than that, it would have broken Roman law because Rome actually removed the right of the Jewish people to execute people, especially for religious purposes. They, they took that right away. Hence why when we see Jesus later in John 18, standing before Pilate, Pilate had to give the authority for the execution. The Jewish people couldn't do that. So they are trying to get him to, to get jammed up here. So let's see how Jesus deals with this, shall we? Verse 6, they said this to test him that they might have some charge to bring against him, just like we just said. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. Ha. So Jesus puts it right back on them. Now, I love how he knelt down on the ground and he started writing. Now, there's pastors that have written whole sermons on what he wrote on the ground. And I personally, I, I say, we don't, we don't know. We don't know. We can speculate again, but whatever it was, it was impactful as we'll see in a second. He stands up and he says, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. Now there's an obvious thing here that he is protecting her and he's protecting her by pointing out, Hey, Which one of you hasn't sinned? 
So you're picking up a stone and throwing a stone at her, but which one of you is not guilty here of some sort of sin? And therefore wanting to convict their hearts and their conscience of, hey, that's what speculated sometimes that he wrote on the ground. Again, we don't know that. That's not what I'm claiming, but that's what some people say. He's writing their sins on the ground. Whatever it was, it sparked something inside of them. But it's also really important to note here that in Jewish law, the way these executions were carried out, that the person or people in this case that were actual witnesses would have to be the one to start the stoning. So Jesus, in essence, is also calling their bluff and saying, okay, which of you without sin first cast the first stone, but also which of you is casting the first stone? Which of you saw this happen? Because if you're going to do this, and you're going to try to put me in a position to go against Moses, allegedly, you're going to do this right too, right? So he calls their bluff. Which one of you actually saw this under Jewish law? And I think it's important to note too that this woman is being absolutely exploited here. Absolutely exploited. And that's what evil will always do. Evil will always look to exploit broken people. And sometimes that's in the form of harsh punishment without the opportunity for reconciliation, right? No grace, no grace and complete punishment and we'll call it condemnation. That's what it is. And we know from scripture, we know from chapter three that he did not come to condemn the world, but to save the world. Talking about Jesus, of course. The second way that evil will try to exploit those who are broken is blame other people for their suffering. And then lastly, which we see a lot today as well, is condoning their actions and then blaming the people that are trying to point out or correct what is going on. Evil loves a good crisis. Evil loves when somebody falls because it's an opportunity for exploitation. Now, good, good on the other hand, God, on the other hand, seeks to understand, seeks to heal, seeks to bring restoration, seeks to forgive. Amen. So let's see what happens when Jesus calls them on their bluff and says, he who is without sin cast the first stone. And once more, he bent down, he wrote on the ground, verse eight. But when they heard it, they went away one by one beginning with the older ones, and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus calls their bluff. He calls their bluff. And how does this one end? She said, no one, Lord. He says, who's here to condemn you now? And here's this woman, broken, downtrodden, embarrassed, who just a minute ago was on the verge of having her life ended because of her sin. But the savior of the world stands up for her and convicts the hearts of the men. And the fact that they walked away, maybe they were embarrassed. Maybe they knew they were caught out there. Maybe they realized, maybe they had their conscience. There's a couple of translations that talk about that their conscience was convicted. And he says, who is here to condemn you? Now, the only one 
who could have thrown the stone if they wanted to, under those standards, right? He who was without sin cast the first stone. The only one without sin was Jesus. The only one who had the right and the authority to throw that stone was Jesus, and he didn't. But he says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And it wasn't a go and sin no more because next time I'm going to throw it at you. It's go and sin no more because our sin hurts us far more than it hurts God. We could debate about whether it hurts God. I would say that God can't be hurt. That God loves you to the point where he doesn't want your sin to destroy you. So this woman with a new lease on life, the same as what he told the 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 man, the paralyzed man who was take up your mat and walk and do what? Go sin no more. Otherwise, something else will happen to you. Because our sins and our mistakes, if we let them hang around, we end up destroying our own lives. And Jesus is there with his grace. And that was a perfect exhibition of grace and truth when he stood and he looked those men in the face, those hypocrites, and said, Yeah. Which one of you has never sinned? You cast the first stone. Which one of you really witnessed this? You cast the first stone. And they walked away. And it was just this woman and her savior, eye to eye, with her sin, all her sins, bared before. And the only one that could condemn justly chose grace. And that should tell you a lot about God. It should tell you a lot about how God is dealing with you in your life. I, I remember one of my mentors in the, in the past, I was beating myself up so bad and he could just see it. He looked at me. His, his name was Dennis. He said, 1 John 3.20, God is greater than our hearts. He knows everything. And basically the rest of that scripture says that we condemn ourselves, but he doesn't condemn us. I leave you with another scripture. It says that where sin is, grace abounds that much more. You can't out sin or out mistake God's grace. God grace. God's grace is there every single day. So I want to encourage you. If you're out there and you've been beating yourself up, we're right at the 1% right now. You've been beating yourself up and you think for some reason that you need to have some stones thrown or you're just, you're flinching at every corner because you think the stones are coming and you've got people around you that are condemning you and probably more so even condemning yourself, that Jesus is standing there and saying, I don't condemn you. I want you to go forward. I want you to make better decisions with your life because I want you to have an amazing life. And I hope it convicts us as well as we look at the people around us that are struggling. And how easy it is when people make us mad to want them to be destroyed, to want to end their mistakes by ending them. That's just not how God works. God is a God of grace. God is a God of mercy. He's a God of love. And because of that, we can all have hope in our mistakes, that he's greater than our mistakes. Where we sin. His grace ever bounds. His grace supersedes all of our mistakes. And I don't know about you, that gets me excited to go into this day with a clean slate, knowing that 
his grace is sufficient for me today. That no matter where I go, no matter what I do, that he's with me and he's with you. And he's willing to step in front of the world that wants to throw the stones at you and protect you and keep you moving on this journey. Let's pray. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you that when you see our mistakes, that it's a matter of solving them. You don't see us as filthy and disgusting. You see us as sons and daughters. So if you're just listening to this right now, you got something heavy on your heart, say, Father, thank you that you forgive me. Say, Jesus, thank you that you forgive me. Thank you that you block the stones coming my way. And I'm going to do my best today to give you my best in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. I'm Pastor J.D. Ambrosio. You're listening to The 1% Christian. We're going to continue with John chapter 8 tomorrow. I love you guys, and I will see you then.